boyfriend. At least that, yeah. No one is looking in that direction. Um, I really am honored to be here, and I want to uh, to ask you to do something in, in just a moment, because I know there are represented here probably every kind of a challenge you can imagine, um, every kind of a difficulty, obstacle. Some of you may be struggling uh, with uh, your finances, maybe out of work, maybe you've had a long-term illness, maybe conflict at work, maybe your marriage is coming apart at the seams, maybe you grapple with depression, whatever it is. I want you for a moment to just imagine not yet, but just, just in a moment to imagine the best possible outcome, the best resolution to that thing that you're facing, to just imagine it. But if there's not some you know, critical thing you're facing, maybe just something that you would like to see God do in your life, something that's consistent with a, a godly lifestyle that you, you would really like to see happen in your life. So if it helps you, close your eyes just for a minute, and I want you to imagine that, that thing being taken care of, the best possible resolution or the best possible outcome, just try and picture it in your mind. Do the best that you can do. All right, you see it? You should go ahead and look up this way. I just want to tell you, whatever you just imagined, whatever you just thought, you're thinking way too small. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I was taken some time ago as I was reading through the scriptures by a phrase. It absolutely gripped me. And the phrase is this, much more. And it's used throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament in connection with God and what he desires to do for us as his people. So just for a few minutes, we're going to look at a few of those instances, and I want to talk to you about the God of much more. If you have a Bible or look up on the screens, 2 Chronicles chapter 25. It opens up an interesting time in Israel's history. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and Solomon went off the rails at the end of his life, became an idolater, a murderer, a bunch of bad things, and after he died, Rehoboam, his son, becomes king. And all of Israel gathers together and said, Look, your, your daddy was hard on us at the end. He was a bad king. What are you going to do? Rehoboam says, Well, come back in three days. I'll give you an answer. And they came back in three days, and he answered them very harshly. And so ten of the tribes stood up and walked off, said, Okay, we're through with you. And those ten tribes established their capital in Samaria. They became known as the nation of Israel. And then two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, stayed with their capital in Jerusalem. They became known as Judah. And they were divided from that day for centuries. There was bloodshed between them, fighting between them. And though Judah had some good godly kings, and there were generations they had revival in, Israel, with their capital in Samaria, never had one good king. They basically wholesale gave themselves over to idolatry. And we come in this story, we pick it up about one of Judah's kings, a good king named Amaziah, and he's going to go to battle against his enemies, but he unadvisedly hires a bunch of mercenaries from Israel to come fight with his troops. And we pick it up in verse 6, 2 Chronicles 25. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor 
from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Everyone say much more. I cannot tell you how many times God has used this story and this scripture to encourage me in my life. Now King Amaziah, he made a bad choice, a bad investment. And to follow on with his plans would have been disastrous. And he basically says, but what about all the money? I'm going to lose a fortune here. It was four and a half tons of silver. And I love the man of God's response. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Amen. You know, there was a couple in our church, at Cottonwood Church, that, that my wife and I just loved. They were probably late 60s. He was retired, and they just carried a good spirit with them. Now, they were some of the most generous givers in the church, and I was astonished on occasion at, at the, the generosity they displayed towards God's work in the house. But... Um, they're just the kind of people you love. They love me. They love my wife. They love the mission of the church. They never had a bad word to say, never a critical word. They just were always encouraging, always speaking about how excited they were, you know, with a vision, and they would bring people. Now, none of their kids were saved. None of their grandkids were saved. We prayed with them on occasion for the salvation of their family, but just lovely people. One day, I'm standing in the foyer talking to him, and he says, Pastor, you know, I've invested in this overseas company. And I tell you, it's going to go good, and we're going to have so much more to sow into the kingdom. And when he told me he'd invested in an overseas company, something inside of me just sort of dropped flat. I said, how much did you invest in this overseas company? He said, everything. I said, well, not everything. I said, you invested a lot, right? He said, no, everything. Pastor, it's going to be great. It's a sure thing. And we're going to have so much more to sow into the kingdom. Well, it turned out to not be a good thing. And actually, uh, within several months, they lost everything. Lost all of their money. Lost their house. Lost all of their retirement. And at like age 68, he had to go back into the workforce, something he wasn't planning on doing. But you know what? Rather than giving in to despair and fear, he just put his trust in the God of much more. And you know, it didn't happen overnight. But within a few years, they were once again some of the biggest givers in the church. They bought a brand new, beautiful house, and their entire family got saved. All of their kids, all of their grandkids, taken up two rows in the church. And when he finally, years later, died and went to heaven, he left his wife with no financial concerns whatsoever. He found out that we serve a God of much more. You know, I have another friend. And by, by the way, if you've made some bad choices, maybe some bad investments like King Amaziah did, don't give in to despair. God is able to turn things around. He's not, you know, uh, uh, empty of creative ideas. He can open doors that cannot be opened through a lifetime of human effort. And the truth is, he loves you. I have another friend. He actually is a pastor. And for many years, he and his wife pastored a small church in a, a country town and. They were happy, 
At least he was happy. Turns out she wasn't so happy. She actually had an affair with one of the men in church. It shattered him. But he decided to forgive her, but she said, no, I'm leaving you. And she actually moved in with this other guy from church. And he did everything he could to reconcile and to make things right. But she said, it's over. She, she left him, divorced him against his will, and he lost it all. Lost his church, lost his reputation, lost his marriage, lost his home, lost all of his money. And he was just literally shattered. But he just put his chin up and decided, God, I'm going to serve you. I don't know how you can turn my life around. And uh, he started going to another church. And just where they let him serve, he would serve. He'd straighten chairs. They let him straighten chairs. He'd greet at the door. If they'd let him greet at the door. And he just, just served. And again, it didn't happen overnight. You know, it took a, a few years for God to heal his heart and make him whole again. But he ended up marrying one of the girls on our team years and years later. This girl that absolutely, passionately loves Jesus. And today, they pastor one of the largest, most influential churches in their city. It's an enormous church. And the outreach they have is just fabulous. He and I were golfing one day. We're walking down the fairway. I said, hey, you think your life would ever turn out this way? He stopped and said, Bayless, you have no idea. God has given me so much more than I ever had before. I got a wife that loves me to bits, but better than that, she loves Jesus more than she loves me. My two grown sons are working with me in ministry. I've been blessed in every arena of life. I have much more now than I've ever had in my life. We do serve the God of much more. You know, Jesus carried the same thought into the New Testament. He taught on the same thing. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6, if you would. Matthew's Gospel, the 6th chapter, and we're going to pick it up in verse 25. Matthew 6 and 25. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father... Um, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more Clothe you, O you of little faith. Say much more. Well, not much more. Look at the next verse. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Literally, they scrounge after them. It's the top priority in their life. It's their all-consuming desire. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How much more will God take care of you? I think we should confidently expect help from our Father when we're in need. Be that for protection, for guidance, clothing, food, any other earthly necessity. He said, hey, look at the flowers, look at the birds. God takes care of them. And you know, in my backyard, I have these big planter boxes that I have azaleas planted in. 
beautiful red flowers. And a lot of times I'll sit in the sun in the backyard and read my Bible. And something over the last few years has been unusual. I, I think it may be the El Nino effect. I don't know. But the sea temperatures have warmed up a little bit. We have the big pelagic species have come in, which is great if you're a fisherman. I happen to love it. But all of the fruit trees and the flowers have gone wild. Literally, the fruit trees are just bursting with fruit. There's much more fruit than there's ever been. And my azaleas have gone crazy. There's this riot of red color. There's like three times as many flowers as there normally are. And I sit in the backyard and every one of them just seems to trumpet to me, Hey, Bayless, look at us. The Father in heaven cares for us. But He loves you much more. And you know, the sun passes over and I have to go around to the front yard, so I'll take the chair out in the front to catch the afternoon sun. I sit and read. And the strangest thing happened for a solid year. This is true. Every time I'd plant my chair out there and sit down with my Bible, a little bird would come and land on the branch above me. I don't even know what kind of bird. A little brown bird with a black head. And he'd just sit there. If I was there 20 minutes, he'd sit above me for 20 minutes. If I was there for an hour, he'd just sit above me for an hour. I always talked to him. He never said anything back. <laughs> or sometimes he'd land on the mailbox that was about a meter away, and he'd just sit there and look at me. I mean, half hour, hour, he wouldn't move. I'd have a little conversation with him. And you know what? Never once did he seem to be emaciated or worried. He always seemed to be as plump and as happy as ever. And though he didn't speak to me in words, it seemed to me that God was speaking to me through that little bird. Bayless, look at this little bird. I take care of it. But I'll take care of you much more. I care for you much more. And God gives us two important principles in connection here with Him meeting our needs. The first one is we must get our priorities right. In verse 32, He said, man, the, 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 the world, they make, you know, getting these things their top priority, but the Father knows you need them. But if you'll seek first His kingdom, He'll see that every, everything, all this stuff that you tend to worry about and are concerned about, He'll see that it's added onto you. Put the kingdom first. Put the spiritual above the material. And I know for some people it seems to be too simplistic, just some childish notion that they want to brush aside. But to do so is a huge mistake. Never underestimate the power of simple obedience to God. Incredible blessings are unlocked and released when we get our priorities in order. You know, for years and years, I've just driven an old truck. I just recently, I got a newer car, but, but I mean for the last 20 years, I drove just an old truck, and I love it. I throw my old wet dive gear in there, fishing poles. It's just sort of my rolling sporting goods store. And my wife would say, Bayless, you need to get a nicer car. You pastor a big church. This is embarrassing. I said, leave me alone. I like my old truck. She said, but you need a nicer car. And I said, I'm not getting one. I fought her for 20 years on this. But you know what? An old truck just wouldn't do for her, so I got my wife a nice car. And I wasn't used to the, the new cars. You know, they say it has a key, but it's just this electronic thing. You don't put it in a keyhole. You just kind of have to bring it in the car in your purse or your pocket. And then you have to depress the brake, and you push a button, and the engine roars to life. So I remember the first time I'm driving her new car. You know, I get this little key in, okay, it's in my pocket, and I'm pushing the button, and the, the engine won't start. I'm pushing, I think, stupid car. She needs a truck. This is just a stupid car. 
And then I remember, oh, there's a sequential order to things. All right, I got the key. I've got to depress the brake. And then I push the ignition button and the engine would roar to life. And the truth is when we get our priorities right, the blessings of God will roar to life for us. And I know some people you hear, yeah, seek first the kingdom of God. We've heard that so many times. It's like, okay, next point. You know, I came here to, I came to church today to hear that. Yeah, seek first the kingdom. Yeah, we've heard it, you know, thousands of times. Seek first the kingdom. And, and we don't think about it, and it seems to mean nothing to us. But listen, seeking first his kingdom means something practical to every one of you right now in your life. It has a very practical application for you. For some of you, you get up in the morning, first thing, you make your cup of coffee. You hit that BBC app, and you look at all the latest news, BBC. All right, maybe seeking first the kingdom for you means instead of hitting the BBC app, you sit down with your cup of coffee and your Bible, and you spend that half an hour talking to Jesus. Maybe that's what it means for you. Maybe it means that you begin to, to honor God with the first part of your income, like the Scriptures teach, because the, the Scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and you've never brought the first part of your income to God. Maybe for you, that's what seeking first His kingdom means right now. Maybe it means your next holiday, you go on a short-term missions trip. I don't know. You know, it, it, it could mean that. It may mean that you're going to start serving in church rather than just being a, a, a spectator, that you're actually going to say, hey, you know, I, I can come a half an hour early and, and clean up or do whatever I can. Maybe it means that. It's something that you can determine between you and God, and he will speak to you if you ask him, if you ask him. But it does mean something. Every one of us, myself included right now, Seeking first the kingdom means something that we can do, and you will be surprised at the blessings that will be unleashed if you will do that simple thing, whatever it is. If you be willing and obedient, the scripture says you will eat the good of the land. And the second key that he shares with us here, it's pretty easy, it's just don't worry. In verse 25, he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry. In verse 31, he says, um, therefore, I say to you, don't worry. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry. Listen, if Jesus says something once, you should never forget it. If he says it twice, you need to hire a calligrapher to do it in beautiful script, put it on your refrigerator and your bathroom mirror. If he says something three times, you need to go to the local tattoo parlor <laughs> and get it inked somewhere on your body. Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. In verse 24, he says, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, at one of our, our houses, we had this air conditioning unit. I don't even have one at my present house. But for some reason, the fuse would always blow. There'd be this electrical surge, and the fuse would blow. I mean, I had to keep tons of fuses in the kitchen drawer. I was always replacing those fuses. And we never quite worked out what the deal was. But just this, this surge and overload, boom, fuse blown, unit out till I'd replace the fuse. And it's as if God has put a 24-hour fuse in each of our hearts. But when we worry about tomorrow today, we're putting a 48-hour load on a 24-hour fuse. And something's going to blow. It's going to erupt in broken health. It's going to erupt in marriage problems. It's going to erupt in depression. And you know, some people, they're just not worrying about tomorrow. They're worrying about next week. 
They're worrying about next month. Some people are worrying about things years down the road. And they're putting such a huge load on their heart. Something's going to eventually burst. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, we we had this avocado tree in our backyard. Beautiful tree. And I would have to climb way up in the tree to pick the avocados out of it. And one day I'm, I'm up there picking avocados and I found a hummingbird nest. It was the tiniest little thing and there was two baby hummingbirds in it. Not any bigger than the end of your little finger. I couldn't believe how fragile and innocent. And when I parted the leaves, they both went, like, you're not our mother. And I called down to Janet. I said, my wife Janet, I said, Janet, you've got to come up here and see these hummingbirds. There's two baby hummingbirds. I've never seen anything like it. They're so innocent and so fragile and tiny. She said, Bayless, I'm not climbing up in that tree. You just have to describe them to me. So I, I did. And the next day, we had something that, that was akin to the cyclone that you had. It just it came out of nowhere. Really unusual for we are. We had probably maybe 120 you know, kilometer an hour winds and, and blew all the power poles over in the neighborhood, blew trees over everywhere. We had a large tree almost a meter wide, uprooted it in our backyard and turned it over on its side. In the middle of the night, well, this wind is howling, and you, you can hear the trees slapping against the side of the house. I sat bolt upright in bed, and I said to my wife, Oh, no, the hummingbirds, they're going to be destroyed. In the morning, the wind had ceased, and it was this eerie calm. No one in the, the neighborhood had electricity, power all down. There's debris everywhere. Trees are uprooted all over the neighborhood. I've got an enormous tree down in my yard. But the avocado tree is still standing. So I climb up the avocado tree. Part the leaves. There they are. I couldn't believe my eyes. And I felt as I was looking at those two tiny birds that the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, if I can take care of those Two tiny birds in that great storm. Don't you think I can take care of you in the storms of your life? I said, yes, Lord, you can. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Cast your cares on him. And I love the message Bible in Psalm 55, 22. It says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. And if you're here today and you're worried sick over something, listen, God knows, but he just doesn't know from a distance. He wants to be involved. You give your cares to him. He'll take that burden off of your shoulders. Do not worry. And then in the next chapter, Matthew 7, he gives us one more key when it comes to the Lord meeting our needs. Look at Matthew 7 and verse 7. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it'll be opened. For what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Say much more. You know A normal father, your son asks for bread, you're not going to give him a stone to break his teeth on. He asks for some 
Pharaoh, you're not going to give him a serpent? You're not going to give him a brown snake instead? He said, how much more will your father take care of you? Hey, you know, something odd happened to me eight years ago. I became a grandfather. I have three grandsons now. And you know, when people would talk about their grandkids and secretly uh, inside, I'd just be going, shut up. No one cares about your grandkids. And then they'd like, have I showed you, you know, these pictures of my grandkids? Like only 30 times. And they'd show pictures. And I swore that when I became a grandfather, I would never, ever do that. I would never be like that. But you have to understand that I, I made that vow before I knew how intelligent and, and creative and beautiful that my grandsons would be. In fact, I, I've got pictures of them. No, I, I don't. <clears throat> but the truth is, is whole stadiums of love open up in my heart that I didn't know were there before. A depth of love that I'd never experienced, a different kind of love that I'd never experienced open up in me. If you're a grandparent, you know what I'm talking about. It's fierce. I find myself daydreaming about those boys. I love them so much, it literally hurts inside. And as fiercely as I love those grandsons, and as much as I want to do good for them, and as as fiercely as I would protect them, that pales in comparison with the Father's love for me and with His love for you. It's a dim shadow compared to the Father's great love. How much more the Father give good things to those who ask. And that's the third key, is ask. He'll give good things to those who ask. In verse 7, he said, ask. In verse 8, he said, ask. In verse 9, he said, ask. In verse 10, he said, ask. In verse 11, he said, ask. You know, our church is on the same street Disneyland is on. Disneyland is down 10 kilometers from where we are in Southern California. And Disneyland tells a fat lie. They say they're the happiest place on earth. Not true. The happiest place on earth is 10 kilometers down the road. But when our oldest son, Harrison, he's 32, he's our lead pastor in the church now. But when he was about five, maybe six, he said, Mom, Dad, I want to go to Disneyland. We said, Son, that's great. But right now, Disneyland tickets aren't in the budget. If you want to go to Disneyland, you better talk to Jesus. I'll never forget it. In his bedroom there, clasped his little hands together, and he prayed a simple prayer, Father, Jesus' name, I ask you for tickets to Disneyland. And we thought, my wife and I, oh, how cute. Happened to be church that night. So we, we come to church and we walk in the auditorium. There's a lady from Nicaragua named Fabiola sitting on the front row. When we walk in, she goes, Harrison, come here. He runs over, sits next to her. She said, how are you doing, Harrison? She said, Jesus told me to do something for you today. She opens her purse and pulls out tickets to Disneyland. He goes, we're going to Disneyland. <clears throat> so we took him. It's three months, four months later. He says, Mom, Dad, I want to go to Disneyland again. I said, do you know what to do? <laughs> he does it again. Claps his hand. Father, I ask you for tickets to Disneyland in Jesus' name. Happened to be church that night as well. We get there. And instead of going to the auditorium, I take him out to the children's rooms where Going down the hallway, and he's running in front of me, and there's a cowboy walking down the hallway towards us. I've never seen the man before. Big belt buckle on, pair of Lee jeans on, um, cowboy shirt on. 
And he stops Harrison, puts his hand on my son's chest. He says, you the preacher's kid? Harrison said, yeah. He said, God told me to do something for you today. Pulls out Disneyland tickets out of his back pocket and gives them to him. And I'm like, Harrison, um, I kind of wanted a new fishing boat. Um, Would you mind talking to Jesus for me? But you know, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Just ask. In fact, j- just for a moment, let, let's, let, let's do something. And again, it helps you close your eyes. First, seek first the kingdom of God. That does mean something to you right now. I dare you to ask him. Father, show us. What, what is the thing that we can do in our life that, that puts your kingdom first? Whatever it is, whatever comes to your heart, just just determine that you're going to do that. You may not have the ability to do it right now, but you can make the inward commitment. God works on credit. Don't take your word for it. Father, we, we, we want to put your kingdom first. Just show us. Even if it's a small thing, you'll do it. And even as you're sitting there, if there's something that you've been worrying about, something that perhaps has robbed you of the quality of life that God wants you to have, maybe your kids, maybe money, who knows. Just just imagine that, that worry. It's in the palm of your hand right now. And I want you to do something. As we sit here, just lift that hand. Just lift it straight up. It's a symbolic gesture. You're giving it to God. Just go ahead and lift your hand. Father, we... We lift these burdens to you. You said you'd you'd carry our load. Jesus, you're our burden bearer. We give this thing that we're concerned and worried about to you, and we ask you to intervene and to help us and to guide us. Thank you for lifting this trouble from us. Father, we'll fulfill our responsibility, whatever it is, but as far as the worry goes, we commit it to you now. In the name of Jesus. And then finally, whatever it is you need God to do, and it may be just something you'd like to see in your life, something consistent with the godly lifestyle, just ask Him. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Do it now. Just simple. Ask Him. Thank you, Lord. All right. I want to look at one other thing with you. And, and again, there's a lot of places we can go. But in Romans chapter 5, we find the phrase again and again and again. Let me read a few verses, beginning verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, everyone say much more. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Friend, the Father loved us when we were sinners. He watched out for us when we were sinners. How much more now that we're sons and that we're daughters. We've been saved from wrath. The child of God need never fear the wrath of God. But you know, He hasn't just saved us from something. He saved us to something. Verse 15, same chapter. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense, speaking about Adam in the garden, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And then verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. The truth is, my friend, is that grace is stronger than sin. Life is stronger than death. Yeah, Adam messed things up for the human race. The Bible said death spread to all men. But how much more shall we reign in life through the grace of God, through one Christ Jesus? God's plan is not to have life throwing you to the ground and stomping you. God's plan is for you to reign through His delegated authority, through His grace. He wants to put a scepter in your hand. You know, there's a lady in our church. She began coming probably 15 years ago. And when she came, she was more like a zombie than a human being. She was clinically depressed, had been that way for years, took a mountain of medication every day. She'd ceased to function as a wife to her husband, couldn't be a mother to her children, couldn't be a friend to her friends. Just all this medication made her like a zombie. She'd sit in the house every day. She'd been that way for years and years. And somebody dragged her to church. And sitting under the word, something happened. Something ignited. She got a Bible and she went home and she began to read it. And Jesus broke the chains off of her life. You see her today. She's on no medication, hasn't been for a decade. She shakes your hand firmly, looks you in the eye, smile on her face. She's one of our top counselors in the church. If we got tough cases, we want to give them to her. She's just filled with enthusiasm, filled with worship. Jesus broke those chains and he put a scepter in her hand. She's reigning in life through his grace. It's an amazing thing that Christ has done for us. And if we had the time, we'd go into the book of Hebrews, how that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. And under the old covenant, people's sins were covered. But now much more, the blood of Christ can even cleanse a guilty conscience from sin. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. I've got a lot of things in my past that are pretty shameful. I lived a very sinful, wild life. Before I got saved. I got saved in a street mission. I was a drug addict. Had a lot of noise going on up here. And uh, I think back on my past. And you know, it's an amazing thing. Jesus has even cleansed this conscience of mine. And a clean conscience makes a mighty soft pillow at night. Our Savior is amazing. Do you know, because of Adam's transgression... The death passed to all men, which means separation from God. The whole world stands guilty before God because we've all sinned as well. 
And God, because of his holy, righteous nature, could not overlook our sin. There's no way God can come into close relationship with people that are tainted by sin. His righteous nature demands that that sin be judged. But because of his love nature, he would not overlook us. And he did the unimaginable. He sent his son, born of a virgin. Jesus coexisted with the Father in eternity past, and he left that glory world. And he wasn't born to a wealthy family in a palace. He was born to a poor carpenter and his wife in a stable, laid in a feeding trough. Worked in that poor carpenter shop till about age 30. And then began his ministry. He worked miracles. He healed the sick. He talked of God not as being aloof and distant and unconcerned, but as being a loving father. They'd never heard anything like that. People hung on every word. But the religious leaders, some of them were so insanely jealous, they arrested him and put him through a mock trial. He was beaten without mercy and then nailed to a rough cross of wood. Suspended there between heaven and earth, the sky suddenly turned dark and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For at that moment, God laid the sin of the world on his own son. Everything I've done wrong and thought wrong and been wrong and the penalty of it all was laid on Jesus. He became my substitute and he willingly did it and he died under the weight of those sins. After three days and three nights, the claims of God's eternal justice were forever satisfied. Christ was raised from the dead, and this is what the Bible says. If you believe it, and you confess him as Lord, it means boss. It means you're willing to die to your rights of independent living and submit your heart to him. If you'll do that, God brings you into a relationship with himself that the Bible calls salvation. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about mindless ceremony. It's not about some endless list of things you're no longer allowed to do. All right, sign at the bottom. No more fun. No more joy. No more adventure. No, it's about having a walking, talking, living, breathing relationship with your Creator. It's what you were made for. And that empty place in your heart, you'll never fill it with drugs and alcohol. Been there, done that, doesn't work. You'll never fill it with sex or relationships. You can run from man to man, from woman to woman. It'll never fill it. You can't fill it with good works. You can't fill it with money and things. In fact, you can get a guy. You get this bloke. He's got a a great, beautiful wife, good kids, friends that genuinely love him, a job that pays him more than he needs. And he thinks, what's wrong with me? I got everything that that should make me happy. and I'm, I'm empty inside. It's the God factor. We're created to walk with God. And the only way back into a relationship with Him is through His Son, Jesus. Just one more time. Just bow your heads. Close your eyes if you would. As I close, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. If you've never made your peace with God, you may not be interested in ritual. You may not be interested in ceremony. But you say, you know what? If I can have a relationship with God, I'm in. Well, you know what? He won't turn you away if you'll come to him in simple trust. He will not say no to you. Maybe you're a backslider here today. That prodigal son, prodigal daughter, you've had a genuine encounter with the Savior. But right now, your life is so inconsistent and incongruent with what you say you believe that you know if Christ returned today, you wouldn't be ready to meet him. 
And I'm not talking to the person that would say, yeah, I should pray more. I should read my Bible more. We would all get in that line. But I'm speaking to the person that you know you're in the danger zone. You know your heart is far from God. Good news, he's not mad at you, but it's time to come home. I'm just going to count to three. When I get to three, if you want to make your peace with God, maybe coming for the first time, maybe that prodigal is coming home, I'm going to ask you to lift a hand. Just keep it up for a moment. I'll acknowledge you. You can put it down. I'm the only one looking around. And an act as simple as lifting your hand can help your faith begin to move toward God because the Bible says faith is expressed through action. In fact, just consider it an outward expression of what's happening in your heart. In your heart, you're reaching up to God. Your hand just reflects that. One, it's your moment, friend. And then I'll lead you in a simple prayer. After you put your hands down, I'll lead everyone in a prayer. And then I'm going to give it back to Pastor. Two, this is your day. Three, if it's you, just put your hand up. Come on, put it up high. Thank you. Bless you. Okay? All right. Everybody in the house, just put a hand on your heart. Say these words with me out loud. Everybody in the house, just say, Oh God, thank you for loving me so much that you would send your own son. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. I believe you died for my sins and that you were raised from the dead. And right now, I commit my life to you. I hold nothing back. All I am and all I have, I put in your hands, Jesus. You are my Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Fantastic. Pastor. Wow. Wasn't that a good word? How many people feel encouraged? Why don't one more time we thank our special guest, Pastor Bayless Conley. Pastor Bayless, all weekend you've done us good. We so appreciate you coming here. You know, church, uh, Pastor Bayless has just been so wonderful for our men's conference and for the heart of our church. And, uh, you know, the truth is when we made contact with uh, Pastor Bayless to say, would you come to Alice Springs? Uh, he eagerly jumped at the chance. And uh, it's, isn't it great to have him in the center of everywhere, Alice Springs, in the center of the universe. Yeah, we're so glad that you're able to come, Pastor Bayless. We appreciate you being with us. Yesterday, Pastor Bayless and I, uh, we spent some time talking about uh, the mission involvement that his ministry has and that their church, Cottonwood Church in the U.S. has. And it's so awesome to hear of your heart for the nations, Pastor Bayless, and what the church is doing. Pastor Bayless began to talk about the different uh, Bible translation projects that their church was involved in. We sat and we watched a video together about uh, communities that had never had the printed scriptures in their language before. Pastors that were trying to reach these communities in Mexico and parts of South America. Pastors that would have to get up before dawn to read their Bible and then try to somehow find words to put what the scriptures were saying into the language of these local people. And Pastor Bayless's ministry and their church in the US uh, were able to sponsor whole Bible translation projects. And uh, places you and I probably never get to go, never be able to go. And Pastor Bayless just began to rattle off uh, place after place of places in the world where his ministry and their church together is passionate about seeing the influence of God's kingdom come. And here he is today coming out into Alice Springs again. Uh, you know, the truth is not everybody in the universe wants to come to Alice Springs. And we're so blessed, Pastor Bayless, that you would come. And uh, we're so thrilled that you're able to come and share God's word with us this weekend. Such a great thing. 
We don't understand that, do we? There why people don't want to come to Alice because we love being here. There was a there was a murmuring of discontent around the auditorium when I said that, Pastor Bayless. People were gathering pitchforks. Who said they don't want to come to Alice Springs? Let's get them. It's been a great weekend. You know, the thing I admire about Pastor Bayless is uh, I've I one time flew to North India to uh, New Delhi. Then I got in a plane and flew further north right up to the foothills of the Himalayan mountains to a place called Siliguri. Got in a car, drove for eight hours up to a place called Kalimpong. Drove up right up in the Himalayan mountains. The temperature starts to drop, wild monkeys chattering everywhere. And uh, as we drove up there, I pulled up on the side of a road with a friend. He said, the vehicle won't go any further. We've got to walk the rest of the day. And we walked down this terraced hillside. As the trees, we went through this clearing, as the trees cleared, we found this three-story building pretty much in the middle of nowhere, high up in the Himalayas. And inside that building was a high-tech studio run by a friend of Pastor Bayless's, a friend of mine, a good friend called Ron Kage, an Indian pastor who's a great man of God. And we went into his building, and there he was translating gospel programs from Pastor Bayless Conley's teaching into five different languages from the Central Asian region of the world and broadcasting it out all over those places. I said to him, this is amazing. He said, no, no, what's amazing is the responses we get, the mail we get. There are people who all they do is sort mail that comes because the gospel is going out to places in the world where you and I can't go and probably wouldn't go if we could. But uh, there are ministries out there reaching out to people. Pastor Bayless is broadcasting in over 100 nations. And uh, actually, we were over this morning over coffee in our house. We were listening to uh, Pastor Bayless's program, Answers with Bayless Conley. Such great teaching, such great material. And one of those, you, you listen to Pastor Bayless's teaching and think, man, if, if the world needs to hear anything, that's a message that they need to hear. It's pretty cool. So in just a moment, because we believe in uh, honoring men and women of God that serve God. And we believe in the power of partnership and standing with people that want to see Jesus made famous in the nations of the earth. So in just a moment, our church, we don't always do this, but we are going to do this this weekend. Our uh, service hosts are getting poised because in a moment, they're going to pass around some offering buckets. And I'm going to give our church an opportunity to uh, make a financial gift to Pastor Bayless's ministry to help send him on his way. Listen, how many people appreciate it when somebody comes to Alice Springs when we don't have a long queue of people beating down our door to come to Alice Springs? How many people appreciate it? How many people appreciate the fact that Pastor Bayless would come and didn't say, well, if you want me, here's all the list of things you better do to make it worth my while coming. Pastor Bayless didn't come with any demands. He came only to serve. I talked to him on the phone before he got here to Alice Springs just last week. He said, Pastor Ben, I want you to know I'm just coming to serve. Anything at all you want me to do, I'm here to serve. I said, actually, Pastor Bayless, my bathroom needs retiling. That'd be uh, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> He's a uh, Pastor Bayless will be preaching tonight in our Kidman Street campus. It's going to be pretty cool. And uh, look, we don't normally invite everybody to come out to our Kidman Street campus because we like to make sure that our locals are very comfortable there. But if you would just love to get one more dose of the word from Pastor Bayless, you feel free to join us in our Kidman Street campus tonight, and uh, it'll be a good thing. It'll be at six p.m. at Kidman Street. So in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to give and send Pastor Bayless on his way. You need to know every single cent that comes in for Pastor Bayless's ministry will not be, none of it will be retained by Desert Life Church. We will pass it all on uh, together in one gift for Pastor Bayless. If you didn't come prepared with cash like, you, like Pastor Jamie didn't this morning or myself, then uh, what you can do is you can avail yourself of our electronic giving options at our FPOS machine after the service or by getting on our website 
www.desertlifechurch.org and uh, go into the info page and right at the bottom you'll see some giving details there and you can make an online bank transfer if you choose and just put in the reference box there Pastor Bayless and we'll know what that means and we'll make sure that we include that in the amount that we're going to uh, pass on. Up the back there's a wonderful table with some of Pastor Bayless's resource. He's got this great, great book from generation to generation, reaching, raising up and releasing every next generation. It's a great book. I'd uh, really encourage you to get a hold of it, get a hold of, wrap your brain around the idea of thinking generationally. Some of us are going through tough times. Pastor Bayless has got this book, Where is God When the Hard Times Hit? How many people have been through a hard time and wondered what's God doing? Well, maybe this will help you. And there's some great CD resources up the back here. This one's called Recovering Lost Things. This one's called Godly Wisdom for Leaders. I'm going to hang on to that one for myself. Eight Keys to Radical Christianity. Sounds very cool. Pursuing Purpose. Gaining a brother without losing yourself. How many people have uh, ever found themselves in a deep time of conflict or needing to address something? And I would appreciate some of Pastor Bayless's wisdom there. Here's a good one. The Ten Commandments of Marriage. And the couple look happy on the front. I'm guessing they photograph that after they listen to the CD. And here's a pretty cool one. Golf and the Word of God. Golf and the Word of God. Listen, there's a bunch of great resources at the resource desk up there. You should do two things. The first one is this. Always invest in growing yourself. Always do it. You know, you uh, think about this. There's a lady in our family. I'm not going to name her. There's a lot of ladies in our family. But there's a lady in our family, and every now and then she has to invest on the outside of her head. She has to invest in hair care products, hair dryers, hair straighteners, hair conditioners, hair shampoos, maybe hair colouring every now and then. She has to invest in, you know, stuff that goes on the outside. And many of us are like that, aren't they? We invest on our outside. We invest in clothing and makeup and, and hair curlers and earrings and facial piercings. And how many of the men are now going to go make an appointment at the tattoo parlour after Pastor Bayless... <laughs> Gave us permission for a new men's ministry outing. <laughs> Some of us invest in beard oil and beard balm and beard trimmers and beard scarecrows. And we invest a lot on the outside of our bodies. Let me ask you a question. How much have you been investing lately on the inside? How much have you been investing on the inside of your head? The most important real estate in your life is the traffic that goes on between your ears. And I would strongly encourage you this week, why don't you invest in some of these great resources from a wonderful teacher, a wonderful man of God, and invest in yourself. Go and see the uh, resource table up the back. Here's what I'd like to see happen. I'd like to see Pastor Bayless not be able to take this resource anywhere else because we just got it all. How how, how many people think that'd be cool? Why don't you head up the back and uh, buy some of that resource? It'd be very, very cool. And uh, let's send Pastor Bayless on his way, being very blessed, because we know he doesn't just come to places like New York and Rio de Janeiro, but he gets to go there. But uh, Pastor Bayless will find himself teaching and preaching God's word in many places where, you know what, they can't afford an airfare to, to bring him there. He does it because he's a man of God. He does it because he's called by God. And how many people think it would be great if Pastor Bayless could go somewhere else in the world where no one would ever expect him to go because the people of Desert Life Church got behind him and sent him on his way? How many people can say amen? amen. Just two of us. How many people can say amen? Amen. amen and amen. Come on, why don't you stand on your feet for a moment? We're going to close the meeting in just a second. But uh, we're going to pray for Pastor Bayless Conley. We're going to send him on his blessing. I'm going to pray for you as well if you're going to uh, give into this offering 